what we did last week with Joseph. We're going to begin in Genesis chapter 12. Verse 5. Genesis chapter 12, verse 5. We'll read our text here in just a few moments. The title of my message this morning is What Sin Does. What Sin Does. I believe it's obvious as we examine ourselves and look at ourselves what sin does. If we examine our own lives. I believe as we look around in this world, as we look at how things are in this world, I believe it becomes apparent uh, what sin does. As believers, we're often kind of like in a love relationship with sin. Sometimes we love it and sometimes we hate it. Sometimes we crave it and we want more of it and and then when it's all done, it's all finished, man, we hate it and we wish we never would have saw it. So it's almost like we're in a, as believers, we're almost like we're in a love-hate relationship with sin. But sometimes we love it, as I said, and we just welcome it into our lives, you know, and we just kind of give it free reign just to do whatever it wants to do and just let it have whatever it wants to have. Uh, but sometimes, as I said, we just can't, we just can't stand it. We don't want it to be around and we want to cast it away from our lives, you know, to never return again. That's just the relationship that we have to it. And with it, and we see this circular pattern in our lives. Well, this morning I want to talk to us, talk to you about what sin does. Why is it important that we understand what sin does? Why is it important that we even know that? Why is it important we talk about it? Why is it important that we understand it? Well, I want to share with you some truths this morning about what sin does. What sin does. And so, as we look this morning, we're going to look at the the, the life of Lot. We're going to look at him, his life from the very beginning, and we're going to see what sin does in the believer's life. And so I believe we're going to go back to the very beginning, kind of like how we did Joseph last week. We're going to go back to the beginning where we see Lot, and we're going to trace his life uh, through the Bible uh, here, and it will become apparent uh, to us what happens to the believer uh, and what sin does in his life. So let's look in our text here in Genesis chapter 12, and let's just simply read verse 5. And Abram took Sarah his wife, Sarai's wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance and they, that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. And so what had happened here was that God had just called Abraham out of his homeland. He had just called Abraham out. Abraham didn't exactly know where he was, didn't exactly know what specific place he was going to go, didn't know exactly what God had in store for him. He knew, All he knew was that he wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And so God was calling him to leave. He had to leave everything he had. He had to leave his possessions, you know, things that he, he took a lot of that stuff with him, but he had to leave some things behind, you know, such as, uh, you know, maybe homes and family and maybe some other things like that. Uh, so, you know, anytime you move, there's always a, a leaving behind of some things. And so he did have to make that sacrifice. But God had called him to leave, and so he was leaving. But when he left, he took Lot, his uh, nephew, with him. And we see that uh, when Abraham got where God wanted uh, him to go, uh, in verse, let's look at verse, look at verse 8, Genesis chapter 12, and verse 8, and look what the Bible says. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east, 
And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed, going on still towards the south, verse 10, and there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt. And so I want you to understand just a simple truth. This ain't my message, but I just want you to understand a simple truth in, the, in this little part right here is that when God calls you to go somewhere, doesn't mean it's always going to be fruitful. Amen? Amen? So he was calling him to go somewhere, and there was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. And just think, you know, when, when, when God calls us to do something or to go somewhere, it doesn't mean that when you get there, things are going to be just like you want it. It doesn't mean that when you get there, that things are going, you know, the blossoms are going to be blooming, and man, everything is going to look nice, and everything is going to smell pretty and all that. Man, it doesn't mean necessarily that. Now, when God calls you somewhere, it may be that way. But whenever God called him out of Haran, Man, when he got to where God wanted him to be, God said, look, this is where uh, you're going to be established and this is where your people's going to be at. When he got there, man, there was a famine in the land. A famine there. And so just a, just a small point there just to show that, look, when God calls you somewhere, it doesn't mean that things are always going to be fruitful in your life. When he wants you to do something, doesn't mean that you're always going to start out, you know, with a, uh, with a, with a bush full of fruit, okay? Doesn't always mean that. You may have to work and, and get it that way, you know? Uh, but just a small little truth there. Amen. I believe we can probably use that in our lives. But we see that Abraham went down into Egypt. That's what verse 10 said. It said there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. And when Abraham went down into Egypt, uh, the Bible tells us that Egypt is a picture of the world. And so what we see here is that, is that Abraham went down into the world. But look, who did he take with him? When he went down into Egypt, when he went down to this pagan, idolatrous, wicked place, who did he take with him? Well, he took his family with him. He took his family with him. And he took his friends with him. He took everybody that, that he knew with him. Everybody that was uh, residing with him and traveling with him. Well, he just took them all down there uh, with him. He took his wife, his friends. He took Lot. He took them all. You know, and oftentimes we, a truth that we can think about is this, is oftentimes whenever we get out into the world, uh, we don't usually go by ourselves. We don't usually just take ourselves there. We usually take other people with us. You understand that? Yeah, because why? Well, it's not no fun living in sin by yourself. So you've got to take some people that you care about to live in sin with you. Well, I'm just being truthful. You know? It's the ugly truth, but I'm just saying how it is. Yeah. And so, man, when he went down there, he took, he took his family, he took his friends, he took his possessions, he took all he had uh, down there with him in, in, in the midst of all that. You know, we, we, I mean, we just can't, we can't enjoy being out of fellowship with God, you know, by ourselves. We've got to have somebody to be out of fellowship with God with us. And so that's uh, what they, you know, when they went down there, that was one of the things that, you know, uh, that ended up happening with Lot in his life as we're going to study his life. But it was here down in Egypt, when Lot got down in Egypt, it was there when he got his first look at what the world was all about. Man, he got there, man, have you ever, you ever wondered about, man, what's, I wonder what's, What's, what's outside? I mean, if you've never been outside of Nelson County or outside of Virginia, maybe, I wonder what's outside there. You know, have you ever thought, I wonder what, well, I don't want to know what California is like. I already know, I know enough about California. But you think of some other states that may be pretty, you know, maybe pretty nice to go visit. Man, I wonder what that's like. I wonder what it's like over there. I wonder what it's like over there, you know. And, and so, well, when, when, when Lot got down here to Egypt, what he saw was his first glimpse into what the world was all about. What the world was all about. Through Egypt's eyes. Through Egypt's eyes. Not, not through God's eyes, but what the world was all about through Egypt's eyes. And so when he got down there, man, he got to, to look at these things. Man, he saw it was a land full of idolatry. He saw it was a land full of immorality. Uh, he saw it was a land full of lots of, lots of these things. 
And so it was here where Lot followed Abraham and he was introduced to, to these kinds of things. And he was introduced to these things and he had a problem getting rid of it. He went, once, once he got that stuff in his life, man, he had a problem getting rid of it. You know, let me tell you this. You get down into Egypt and you take some other people down there with you, it may be a little bit easier for you to get out than somebody else. You know, you may get down there and get tangled. You may get down there, you know, and, and then decide to leave. But whenever, but the person that you, that you took down there into the world with you, you know, what's, you know what's going to happen to them? They're going to end up getting a hold of something. Something's going to grab a hold. Something's going to grab a hold of life. They're going to get hooked onto something. They might not be able to get out as good as you did. Yeah, it's exactly what happens. And so we got to be careful what we do and where we go because we're pulling and dragging other folks down with us. And it could be your family and it could be your friends, whether it's at home, whether it's at the job, no matter where we're at, just out in the community, we have to be so careful what we do and where we go because we can so easily drag and pull people down with us and we don't want to do that. Man, we don't, we don't want to get them uh, you know, hooked and, and caught on something that they have such a hard time getting out of. And let me tell you this, a lot of times, a lot of times they, you know, they may get down there and get hooked on something. You know what it does? It destroys their life, it destroys their family and all that, all these things. You see, we don't understand the repercussions of what it means by going down to Egypt until we start seeing the outcome of people's lives. See, going down to Egypt just seems like it might be something nice, might be something that, you know, that seems like a lot of fun, but what we don't see and what we don't understand at the time is the impact that it's going to have on lives, on your own and theirs, and on their children and, and in their family, you know? And so that's something that we have to understand. But see, uh, a lot went down there with Abraham, and he began to see these things. And, and, you know, and this is where he first started getting a glimpse of all this. And, and Sodom and Egypt, Egypt was getting in his heart. And eventually, eventually Sodom would be in his heart. But here Egypt was getting in his life. The world was getting in his life. And when they left Egypt in chapter 13, the Bible tells us, in chapter 13 they, they left Egypt, and the Bible tells us that the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham began to argue and fight amongst another. And so Abraham told Lot to choose which direction he would go. To choose which direction that he would go. And so let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 13. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. We'll get into our points. Genesis, Genesis chapter uh, 13 verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. And so the first thing I want us to see this morning is that sin affects our decisions. Sin affects our decisions. All my points are going to start with D. So you can write these things down. Sin affects our decisions. We read there in verse 10 that when Lot looked up, man, he saw the well-watered plain of Jordan. Man, how nice it looked. How nice it looked. But what did the Bible says there in the last part of verse 10? It was like the land of Egypt. It was like the land of Egypt. Whenever he looked out there and he saw all that, you know what it did? It reminded him of what Egypt was all about. It reminded him of what the world was all about. And see, the world and the Egypt was in his life and it was in his heart and he hadn't got rid of it yet. You see, you see, he had left Egypt, but Egypt hadn't left him. It was still in him. It was still in him. And you see, when Abraham left, what didn't necessarily mean that Lot wanted to leave. He just left because Abraham left. But he didn't really want to leave. And so we get down here in verse 10 and we see that he wanted to go. Uh, he, he was thinking about Egypt. He had Egypt in his heart and Egypt in his life. And when he saw there, that he saw that it was like the land of Egypt. It reminded him of the time he spent there, the, the experiences that he had and the things that he saw. It reminded him of all those things. 
And so we see that the pleasure of sin and the thoughts of sin affected his decision. Some people say, well, you know, uh, I'll leave whenever I get all my wild oats. I'll leave the world and I'll get the world out of my life and I'll get all this stuff out whenever I've just sown all my wild oats. You know, you ever heard that saying? I'll just sow you wild oats. How many people regret some of the oats that they've sown? Yeah. Let me sow all my wild oats first. You know what the problem is? The problem is you keep coming up with some more oats. Believe that? Every time you think maybe you threw your last one out, you look down, there's two or three more in there, and you throw them out, and it's just like they just keep multiplying. We don't ever get done with them. Man, we say, yeah, we'll get out and we sow all the wild oats, but we keep reaching the bag and it's still full. Yeah. And that's what happens to our lives, man. That's what we do. That's what we do. I'll just get it all when I was just sowing all my wild oats. But the problem is, is all the wild oats are never sown. And you know, we can live, uh, you, we can live all of our life, you know, and never have sown them all. Because the flesh, as I even said this morning in Sunday school, the flesh is always seeking something. It's always seeking to be pleased. And you can't never give it enough to make it happy. You can't never get enough to make your flesh happy. So that's why it's so important that you make yourself happy in your soul, as David said in Sunday school this morning. He was happy in his soul. And so he was satisfied. Mm. People believe that it's in Egypt where they'll find all their happiness and all their meaning to life and, it, and all those things. And so their sins and sin in general ends up affecting their decisions. But you know what? That's what sin does. That's what sin does. It affects our decisions. The second thing is sin causes division. Sin causes division. What did we see here? The Bible says there in verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. That was his decision. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. Now we have the division. We have the division. Sin brings division. It causes division. The Bible says they separated themselves. Now sin is the great divider. That's what it is. Sin is the great divider. It separated what? It separated man from God in the Garden of Eden. Believe that? Yeah, I hope you do. That's what the Bible says. Sin separated man from God. Sin is the great divider. Separated man from God in the Garden of Eden. It was sin, when you think about it, sin is what caused the great gulf to be between the rich man and Lazarus. That's what sin caused. It caused a great gulf between, to be between the, the rich man and Lazarus. If it wasn't for sin, the place would never have been made. But it was sin that caused that great gulf. It is sin that causes division in families. It is sin that causes division among friends, division in the churches, division in the community, division in the world in general. It is sin that causes that. And so sin is the great divider. It is the great divide. It causes the great, it's the great divider. Sin causes folks who are at one time, uh, you know, they, they loved each other and cared for, cared for one another, and now they just never speak again. Why? Because oftentimes because they sin there. They sin present. They sin there. And it has to be dealt with. Sometimes it causes division in the home amongst the husband and the wife. It causes division in the home amongst uh, the parents and the children. Sin's there and it causes that. It causes that. 
And so that's why it's so important for the husband and wife to decide that they're going to live for God and do everything that they can for God and, and want to serve God in their home because if not, one day when those wild oats have been sown, they are going to reap those oats. They're going to reap those oats and they're going to be wishing in that day that they could go back to the, the day that their child was born or the, the day that their marriage started or even before that and say, man, I wish we could go back and start doing things, man, the way we should have. Because if we would have got right with God and done and been with God and served God and, and gotten to church and done been how we were supposed to be to begin with, maybe none of this would have ever happened. Maybe none of this would ever happen. Now, I'm not saying that, that, I'm not saying that, that, that just because you live for God, you're not going to necessarily have a hard life and you, everything's going to be beautiful and all that. I'm not saying that. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. You will have a happier life. You will have a happier life. The Bible even teaches that. We even read that this morning in Sunday school. But sin causes division. That's why it's so important for families. So important for families and, and even churches as well because sin is a great divider of the church. And so it's important that churches stand together on the Word of God and be how they're supposed to be and be how we're supposed to be towards each other because sin is the great divider. And I tell you what, the devil will look for anything that he can. The devil will look for anything that he can. He don't care how big it is, how small it is. It'll be oftentimes it's those small cracks that bring down the great dams. There's those little things that we look over that seep through our life that, that causes all the destruction to begin with. And so if we'll just... Then the devil will use anything that he can to bring, to bring your life down, to bring your marriage down, to bring your home down, bring, bring it all down. They see, oftentimes the little things are, are just overlooked because we're, we're concentrating so much on the big things and while we're looking at all this, the devil's finding his little way around through the cracks. Yeah. And so sin is the great divider. Sin causes division. And that's why the Bible says, you know, and, and I'm hammering on the home on this so hard because the Bible says in Psalm 127, 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so God must be there and be present in not only your life, but, but in your home and in your house. Amen. Yeah. Don't be afraid to say, man, yeah, you might get me excited here in a minute. Yeah. But sin causes division. But you know what? That's what sin does. That's what sin does. It's just simply what sin does. Let's read verse 12. And the Bible says, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pinched his tent towards Sodom. The third thing that we see is that sin influences our direction. Sin influences our direction. You see, sin helps us decide where to go. If you don't believe that, then look at where you go and ask yourself why you're there. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You don't believe that sin... Sin has uh, influences the direction that you go in life, or direction, or influence the direct where, where you where you end up at the end of the day, or or at the end of the week, or whatever. Then ask yourself why you're even there to begin with. Why why does uh, why does an alcoholic go to the bar? Yeah, why? Because there's alcohol there. And what does he want to do? Well, he wants to feed his flesh, don't he? Well, sure he does. He wants to appetize himself. Yeah, that's why he's there. Why do, why, do, why do we commit all the other sins? Why, why does a man look at pornography on the internet? Why does a man go to the strip club? Why? Because he wants to appease his flesh. That's where sin is. And so sin, at the end of the day, or all day and at the end of the week and all day, influences the direction that we take in our life. It influences that. And so we must understand that. 
that sin has such a, an influence in the direction that we take in our lives. We go places because we go the places that we go because our sin is in that direction. Our sin's in that direction. That's why we go there. All of us. That's why we go there because that is where our sin is. And the pleasures and the Bible says that sin is what? Yeah, pleasures. It's the pleasures of sin. But it lasts for a season. It lasts for a season. But we go in the directions that we go because sin influences our direction and we go there because that is where our sin is. We think about some of the most notorious men of our time. We wonder how in the world could they do the things that they did? What helped them? What helped them to go in that direction? What caused them to do that? We think about some of the terrible things that people have done to each other and to kids and all kinds of things. We think, how could they have done that? What helped cause them to be that way? Well, when you get to the root of it all, it's sin. When you get to the root of it all, it's sin. It's simply sin. There's a show on television. Maybe some of you have seen it. Uh, I don't watch it all the time, but I have saw it. Uh, I have saw it a few times. It's called Intervention. Everybody ever saw that? Yeah. And you see people in there, and they're caught up in what? Sin. And they're caught up in all kinds of sins. I mean, everybody has a different story, just like we all do this morning. And they're caught up in all kinds of things. And they go there to get help. But you know what happens a lot of times? They don't always. They don't always accept it. They're not always responding to it. And you know what happens? They choose their sin over their family and their friends and everything else. And how sad it is that we'll do those things, that we'll, that we'll do that to the people that, that we love the most and care about the most. Yeah, so sin is the great divider amongst ourselves in the church and across the world. But that's simply what sin does. Simply what sin does. The fourth thing we're going to see is sin causes defeat. Sin causes defeat. Let's look at chapter 14. Read verses 10 through 12. Chapter 14, verses 10 to 12. We see that the Bible says, And the vow of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and, and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals, and went their way, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelled in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. You see, first Lot was just dwelling towards Sodom, as far as Sodom. Now when we get to Genesis 14, we see that, his, uh, that, his in, that Egypt's influence in his life was so much so that he wasn't just towards Sodom anymore, he was in Sodom. He was in Sodom. He was in a place that reminded him of what the world was all about and what the world was like. And so that was where he wanted to be. But when we get here, we see that this war broke out. This massive war broke out. And all these kings have come down there and they defeated the Sodom and Gomorrah, defeated them. And what happened to Lot and his family? They got taken prisoner. They got taken, they got taken captive. And so that's what sin does. It brings defeat in our lives. It brings defeat in our lives. Defeat! How many of you like victory this morning? Amen. A couple of you? Oh yeah, we like victory, don't we? Sure we do. But we see here that living in sin, living in sin, going in the wrong direction, and all these things, all this, all this, causes defeat in our lives. Causes defeat. Sin will always bring defeat in a person's life. Well, you know, Lot never thought that when he got down there that 
that he would be defeated and his, his family and all of them would be taken as prisoner. Why, he never thought about all that whenever he got down there. None of that ever crossed his mind. He never, none of that ever crossed his mind. And it never crossed our mind the day that we stepped across the threshold and back into the world. It never crossed our mind that we would end up and do the things that we didn't either. Yeah, it sure didn't. It sure didn't. But when we see here that when he got down there, he was taken prisoner, his family was taken prisoner, and they were all held captive. You know what? That's what sin does. Sin bounds us. It binds us. <sighs> bounds us and binds us. Well, then what happens is, is after Lot is taken captive, Abraham hears about it and he goes to set him free. Goes to set him free. Goes to fight and set him free. Well, then you know what happens? After he was, after Lot was taken captive and all that, Abraham took his men, went down there, set him free. You know what he did? He went back. He went back to Sodom. He went back to the place that he was just taken from he was just defeated from he went back to that and we do the same thing we do the same thing in our lives we go back to the same thing that brings us defeat and brings us misery and all those things and we go back to the very same thing after we've maybe God's given us the victory maybe, maybe he's come through us one good time and, and all that and, we, and what happens is, is we go back we go back to what we got defeated where we was defeated at and that's exactly what he did he went back Went back to Sodom. You say, well, how could he do that? Well, as I said, we, you know, we do it all the time. And we have a hard time letting go. We have a hard time letting go. You know, we have those sins in our life that we just have a hard time letting go of. We just have a hard time letting... The Bible calls it besetting sins. Besetting sins that we just have a hard time just letting go of. And I said earlier when we was uh, preaching on Wednesday night, I said, you know, is it, is it that our sin has a hold of us? Or is it that we just got a hold of it and we just don't want to let go? You see, it, it, I think it makes it easier for us to put, to put it off on saying that something has a hold of us instead of accepting the fact that we have a hold of it. You understand what I'm saying? So if we can say that sin has a hold of us, then what are we saying? There ain't nothing I can do about it. But, but, if we say that I have a hold of it, then that brings the blame where? To me. And that is ultimately where the problem is with me. And so it's not so much that we have sins that have a hold of us, I believe, as it is the sins that we have a hold of, that we have a hold of, that we won't let go. You see, we stand there with our hands out, you know, wanting to think that something's got a hold of us, but, but uh, really what it is is we got our, our hands gripped like this, holding on to it ourselves. And so whenever we just hold our hands out, we're shifting the blame off of us onto something else. And that is another thing that we like to do. Well, I'm trying, I just can't, you know, just... Yeah. We don't want to accept the fact of what's going on in our life. Amen? It's being truthful, being honest this morning. But that's what sin does. That's what sin does. Fifth, we're going to see that sin dulls our senses. Sin dulls our senses. And so let's look at chapter 19. Chapter 19. Sin dulls our senses. We'll be in chapter 19, verse 7. 
We see here that as he was in Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot was living in Sodom and Gomorrah, we see that God sent two angels in the form of men down there to rescue Lot and his family. Well, then these men came. When these men came to this city, man, the people there, they were wicked. They, they, they wanted to have sexual relations with these men. They were just, it was just a wicked place to live in, a wicked place to dwell. And so God sent these angels down there to deliver his people, to deliver Lot out of that. You know, that's something interesting. Is that God, still, it, when, he was, when, when Lot was still willing to go back and live there and, and live like the devil, God was still wanting to deliver him. Don't that speak a lot of our God this morning? It sure does. It speaks a lot of our God this morning. And he was still wanting to go back and deliver him from this corruption and sin that was there. But we see here that the men were so wicked. Man, they wanted to, they wanted to have sexual relations with these men. And so they came to Lot's house and demanded to be with them. Demanded to be with them. But see, Lot, however, he had another plan. He had something else that he wanted to do. And we're going to take a look at it here. Look at 19 verse 7. And he said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known man. They were virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do unto them as it sees good in your eyes. Hold up a second. Hold up a second. What do you mean don't do so wickedly to these men? What in the world do you think you're doing to your own daughters? You know what sin had done to him? It dulled his frame of thinking. It dulled his frame of thinking. He couldn't see things for the way they were. He couldn't see sin for exactly what it meant anymore. He couldn't see it for what it was doing. It's almost like he was just blinded to what was going on in his life. Blinded to what he was doing. And sin dulls our senses. We say, how in a man could a man how in the world could a man do that? How in the world could a could a could a man or wife sell their child as a prostitute, sell their young kid like that? Or how in the world can can somebody come over here and, and kill this man or kill that woman or hurt that hurt that elderly? How could they do that? Because sin has dulled their senses. It has dulled their senses and they can't when they, they just can't see it like they maybe used to anymore. Or see it like other folks see it. They think, oh well, there's nothing wrong with it. What do you mean there's what do you mean there's something wrong with doing that to my kids? What do you mean there's something wrong with what I did with that? And you look at them and you think, what do you mean was, was something wrong with Are you crazy? Don't you understand? Ain't that what we think when we say some of this stuff? It's exactly right. See, sin dulls our senses. Sin dulls our senses. And so he, he, all he can think about was the wickedness that was going to be done to these two men. Not, not about his two daughters. He wasn't thinking about what was going to be done to them. And he didn't even know those two men. He didn't know them from Adam. He didn't know nothing about them. All he knew is that, all he knew is that they were angels because he saw them come in the gate. God sent them down. That's all he knew. But he didn't know them on a personal level. But he grew up with his, I mean, his kids there. They grew up with him and the family. How in the world could he do that? Because sin had dulled his senses. Sin had dulled his senses. Sin blinded him to the hurt and the pain that he was causing to the ones that probably loved him the most. And that's what sin does. That's what sin does. It dulls our senses and causes us to be blind to the hurt and the pain that we're causing other people. That's what sin does. That's just simply what sin does. And so as we continue in sin, sin has a, a way of scarring our hearts and, and, and scarring our minds to the point to where the sin almost, almost never even hardly affects us anymore. And we can just do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. And our hearts just get scarred and our, brain, and our minds just get scarred from sin. 
And it don't hurt us like we used to. It don't offend us like we used to. Things that we once thought were, were repulsive and things that we once thought were, were, would never do end up becoming something that we look at and say, hey, you know, I don't really find this all that bad, really. And it don't really offend me as like it used to. It don't really offend me like it used to. Because that's what sin does. That's what sin does. Let's read verse 14. And the Bible says, And Lot went out and spake unto his son-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-laws. Yeah, he just seemed as one that just mocked unto his son-in-laws. When Lot went to tell his family that the Lord was going to destroy the city, the Bible says that he just went and he was as one that just mocked. Mocked into a son-in-law. See, Lot's senses have become so dull that he even he even mocked at the judgment of God. He mocked at the judgment of God. Now, people do that today too. They mock at the judgment of God. Let me ask you this. We kind of talked this morning about the power of God. When you think about the power of God, how can you mock at Him? How can you mock at Him? You know, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The only way you can mock at a God that's that powerful is to have no fear of that God. Just have no fear. I fear God. I do. I fear God. I may not always live like I do sometimes, but most of the time in my life I do fear God. I do. And whenever I don't fear God and I sin, then I start to fear God. Yeah. Ever been like that? Yeah. Yeah. You don't fear God at first and then you sin, God convicts you and you say, oh, now you start to fear a little bit because now you know if you don't do nothing about it, you know what's going to happen? Your hind end is going to get shined. That's right. Chastisement of God. Yeah. They'll take you home. That's right. Premature death for the believer. That's exactly right. But he just seemed as one that just mocked at the judgment of God. And so as we Christians mock at the judgment of God, we continue, we continue to live like we just want to live and we just choose to live in sin and we, and we just mock at the judgment of God, we mock at the power of God. You know what ultimately we do? We mock the Son of God. You know that? You know that? We mock the Son of God. When we just live like we just want to live and have no interest whatsoever of living for the Lord Jesus, you know what we do? We look at that cross... And we mock it. That's what we do in our lives. That is exactly what we do. We look at that cross and we mock what it is that He done for us in our life. We mock the fact that He died on this old rugged cross and His blood was shed and dripped down off of it all over the place and we mock the shed blood of the Lord Jesus when we, just, when we choose to live the way we want to live. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and says, no, you need to get out of that, then we say, no, I don't want to. I'm having fun living over here. I'm having fun doing what I want to do. You know what we do? We mock in the Son of God. We're mocking the Son of God. Mocking the cross and the judgment that He, that he uh, allowed Himself to come to Him. Allowed Himself to come to Him for us. Mm. Let's read verse... Let's see chapter 19, verse... 15. 
And the Bible says, And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. In verse 16, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand. He just lingered around, knowing the judgment of God was coming. Just lingered around, joking about it, lingering around. Somebody had to physically come to him and grab him by the hand and forcefully pull him away from where he was at. That's how dull his senses were. And I'll tell you what, sin dulls our senses, man, I'll tell you. And somebody had to forcefully grab a hold of him and pull him out. His senses were so dull. His spiritual senses were so dull. He just, he just couldn't see it for some reason. Because of sin. That's what sin does, amen. Yeah. Let's look at verse 20. Look what the Bible says. So as they're leaving, as they're leaving, verse 20, the Bible says, Behold now, this is Lot speaking, as they're leaving, he says, Behold now, this city, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. You've you got to understand how he's talking. He says, oh, as, as they're running, he says, Look, behold, this city is near. See, the angels told me to escape to a mountain, get as far away as you can. And he says, Oh, no, in verse 20, he said, This city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It's those little things that will keep us in Sodom. It's those little things that will keep us near Sodom. You see, the angels were trying to take him as far away as he can get, but he, his senses were still so dull, he's like, oh, I don't want to go that far. Just let me go a little ways. You see, that's the effect the world has on us. We, we want to we do everything that we can to stay as close as we can to what we like and to what our sin is. That's exactly right. And that's what sin does. That's what sin does. He says, Is it not a little one and my soul shall live? <laughs> Ain't you going to live up there too? Yeah. He just wanted to be right there as close as he can. He, did, he didn't want to get us, he didn't want to get that far away from the life that he had. He just wanted to go a little distance. But the Bible says there in verse 22, Haste thee, escape thither, the angel says. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. That's eternal security right there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. You know what the word Zor means? You know what the city that he fled to means? Insignificant. Insignificant. And so the thing that he wanted to hold on to in his life, the thing that he was going to run to that was going to keep him near Sodom was something that was insignificant to begin with. And that's how it is in our lives. Those little things that, that are holding us down, you know, that those little things that we're letting defeat us are often the little insignificant things in our life. Amen? It's exactly what that is. Insignificant. He wanted to stay somewhere that even had no purpose for being there. It's an insignificant place. It's just a, a little thing. Oh, isn't it little? I just don't want to go that far. I'll be okay here. I'll live. No, you won't. You'll be back inside them like you did before. You got defeated before and that's where you went. If you just go a little distance, you'll go back. You've got to get out. Get out of here. That's what they were trying to tell him. So they were trying to motivate him to do. But he wouldn't do it. Because his senses were dulled. 
But that's what sin does. That's just what sin does. Sixth, sin brings destruction. Look at verses 24 and 25, and this is the last one. Sin brings destruction, or this is seventh, I believe, or whatever. Sin brings destruction. Verses 24 and 25. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And He overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities that, which grew up upon the ground. Yeah, sixth thing. All those things. So sin brings destruction. Sin brought destruction. There is perhaps nothing else in this universe, nothing else in this universe that is paralleled to what sin brings into a person's life and into this world. Nothing else whatsoever. Nothing. When, uh, uh, when, when Satan sinned in heaven, what did it do? It caused a rebellion. It caused a rebellion. And when he got down on this earth, what did sin do? It caused another rebellion. Man against God. There is perhaps nothing else on this whole planet that affects things like sin does. And so we saw that sin brings destruction. And it brings destruction to our lives as well. Everything about us. Oh, it's all consuming if we allow it in. Sin is the great destroyer. It consumes everything it comes in contact with. It'll destroy your home. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your life. It'll destroy your relationships with people. It'll destroy your church. It'll destroy everything. But this is simply what sin does. Simply what sin does. Now this is my last one. Seventh. You can title this The Seventh Thing Sin Does. Seventh. Sin invites death. Sin invites death. Let's look at verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. She became a pillar of salt. Well, you know what, Lot? If you wouldn't have took your wife down there, maybe she would have never ended up like that. But you see, whenever he went down to Lot and he continued to live in Lot, you see, and I'm sure he probably loved his wife and he loved his... I think he did anyways. But she became a pillar of salt because of his decision. He brought her down there and his family down there. I know it was her decision to look back, but when you trace it on down, if he would have never took his family there, that would have never happened to her. And so that goes back to the point that we have to understand that where sin affects our direction. To where we go. Because we don't just take ourselves, we take other people with us and those we care about and those we love. And you may escape Sodom. You may get out of the world. But your wife may not. She may die. And or, your, or your kids may die. And you don't see that now while you're down there in Sodom. And those results may not come out till later in life. And you see, finally, the destruction that sin has had on everything in your life. <clears throat> Why well, think Jesus said in the Gospels, the one verse, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Because he don't want the same thing to happen to us that happened to her. He don't want the same thing to happen to us that happened to her. She was looking back. She looked back at her life. She looked back at everything that she thought she was missing. But man, her life, what she could have had, man, it was all ahead of her. She could have had such a better life. I mean, she really thought she was missing something by not going back to that. She wasn't missing nothing. But her senses were so dull, she thought she was going to be missing something. But she really wasn't going to be missing anything. Because she looked back, 
She became a pillar of salt. She died. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that's what sin does. That's what sin does. It's just simply what sin does. And I don't know where you're living in your walk with the Lord today. I don't know where you're at. But if the Lord has spoken to your heart about anything this morning, about your life, about anything that sin does in your life or, or anything else, then I'm just asking you this morning to you know, just examine yourself and I encourage you to do something about it. Do something about it. Don't walk out those doors with the, with, the, with the same effects on your life that sin has caused in your life. Don't do that. And we can just, just leave it all right here and go out those doors and be completely different. Lay it all down right here and be gone. and Leave it all right here. God's shoulders are big enough to handle anything that everybody would want to bring to this altar this morning. Believe that? That's right. Sure is. His shoulders are big enough to handle anything that any of you have on your heart and your life. No matter what it is. And so I encourage you today, when we think about what sin does in our lives and, and in the lives of other folks, do something about it. Now the Bible says in, in 1 John, the Bible says if we'll confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Cleanse us of all of it. So just bring to Him whatever you got, lay it all down, and go on about your life. Go on about your life. Living for Him. Amen? Amen. And get every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior.